Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for one of our hardcore church planting episodes. And uh, on this episode, we've got a uh, great guest. And Peyton, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce our guest. All right. Well, this is from a pastor who is in North County, San Diego. He has been a pastor for many years, and he is an author of a new book on church planning. And it has one of the best titles I've ever seen on church planning. It's Lessons from a Church Planner, The Things I Have Learned from My Mistakes. And the planter's name is Rob Salvato. Uh, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. It's great to be here. Awesome, man. Well, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, we always like to start off asking how you got saved, how you came to faith. Yeah, I came to faith actually when I was 11 years old. Uh, my parents, my mom was um, had come back to the Lord. My dad wanted nothing to do with the Lord. And through a series of events, my dad came to Christ. And uh, in a moment when I said something to him that was I responded in a way that was very crass, and uh, as soon as the words went out of my mouth, I was expecting him to just lay into me, and he didn't. He just looked at me and said, have you asked Jesus in your heart yet? And I said, no, and he said, well, I think you'd better. And uh, so that was the start. I went into my room. I knelt down, but, but it was shocking to me to see this change that took place in my dad, and it really impacted my life. So was it a kind of thing, Rob, where he was like, I think you better because I'm about to kill you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like normally um, he would have laid into me. And so, uh, yeah, that was my thought. Like he was going to kill me. So I better I better get saved. <laughs> I dig that, man. So he's kind of like, look, I'm either going to knock you till Tuesday or, you know, that's a good form of discipline. Get your kids saved. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. It, Have you it talked to him for me. about that? Oh, yeah. In fact, I've used that story in sermons, and my dad now goes to my church, if you can believe that. That's awesome. So yeah, cool. pretty cool. One day, Pete's dad, who's a pastor, will go to Pete's church, but that's way Oh, in my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, I'm that going to let pastoring be, be done by the professionals. I'm just going to be back here in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, right. this book, uh, it was an excellent book. I read it uh, as soon as you had given to me. I took it with me on a plane trip and read it and was just, uh, it's a little book. Um, in fact, I'm, I've got it in my hands right now. It is, let's see, it's 106 pages, 105 pages. It's not yeah. a big book, but it's a profoundly deep book. And what I love is you wrote it out of your experience of failure, um, right. not success. It was from a, a different stance. It was it was a humble book, but I, I found it very, very useful because 
you're not a failed church planner. I mean, that's that's not what people think of you when they look at Rob Salvato or they hear you preach or, or see the churches that you've planted. But um, but but it was such a helpful way to approach this topic. What? Why did you approach it like that? Well, you know, like you guys, I love to read ministry books, and I, I read a lot of them. And, you know, most of them, though, are written from more of a success story type of um, approach. And every now and then in one of those books, somebody might be vulnerable enough to share, you know, here's something I did wrong, or here's something I learned. And I, as I was reading, I all, all every time I read a book like that, and somebody inserts, you know, a story like that in, into it, I really resonate with it. And, and I just felt one day the Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to write a whole book that has just dealt with dealing with your failures, the things that you did wrong, um, and what you've learned from them. And, uh, my whole, you know, kind of goal in that was to hopefully help, you know, existing pastors, as well as guys who are going out to plant, um, maybe learn from some of the mistakes that I've made, and maybe they could avoid making some of those mistakes. So that was the whole purpose and premise uh, around it. That's awesome. And tell us a little bit about your um, experience with church planning. Well, I came on staff um, after getting saved up at Calvary Costa Mesa, I was there for 11 years. And then when I was 22 years old, I went on staff at a church down here in San Diego, Calvary Chapel Vista, where I'm actually the lead pastor now. And I did youth ministry there for seven years. And, um, you know, for five of those seven years, I thought that I would be there forever. And then God started stirring my heart. Um, and my wife's heart to go out and plant and to go somewhere where there wasn't as many, you know, Calvary Chapel churches. And um, I had struck up a relationship with John Corson, who's uh, pastor's Applegate Christian Fellowship up in Southern Oregon. And he just asked me to pray about coming to Oregon. And uh, so we ended up going into a really, you know, through um, some people that had called and said, Hey, we heard you're thinking about pastoring, you know, starting a church in Oregon. Would you please consider coming here? Just a handful of families up in a small part of Oregon, um, Northern Oregon called, uh, Silverton. And, uh, that was the kind of our beginning base was, uh, in that area of Oregon. And, uh, that's, you know, how the Lord, you know, drew us um, up there. Awesome. No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Um, So what, (laughs) sorry about the pause there. So what happened when you got up there? Because that, that was where the book started to suck me in. Yeah. um, You know, what's really interesting. I'll tell you a quick, quick story. Um, when I first went up to meet with these people and we were meeting way out in the Thule's on this farmhouse and, you know, these five families, which I didn't know this at the time had invited some friends of theirs, um, to come. And, and so we had this meeting, there's probably about 30 people there. And I just shared my vision with them. And, um, and then I asked if they had any questions and the first lady that was there who looked like she just stepped out of Woodstock 
um, she asked me what my feelings were about um, speaking in tongues and dancing in the spirit. And it was like, I'm really into this. And are you going to let us do this at church? And so I, you know, shared with her, went to first Corinthians 14. We started talking about that a little bit. The very next question was from a very clean cut looking guy who looked like he could have been a Marine, um, probably in his mid forties. And he asked me, um, how I was going to handle church discipline. And it was like a, complete reaction to this lady. It was basically like, when she gets out of line, I want to know how you're going to handle it. <laughs> and um, she happened, or he happened to be um, a sheriff in that community. And afterwards, he came up to me and said, um, you know, I'm involved, I'm in law enforcement, and in law enforcement, first impressions are really, really important. And he says, I've been sizing you up and down all evening, and I just want you to know I'm not going to be back. And I was like, great, thanks so much. And uh, also, the people's house that we were meeting at uh, that night, their dog came home with half of his face blown off because um, he had wandered into a neighbor's farm. Now, you got to understand this. I'm a city boy, grew up in Orange County. I am a beach guy. And this was like shocking to me to be surrounded by, you know, this type of a setting. And, uh, and so I walked away from that just thinking like, this is absurd. I am not coming here. Um, and, uh, I, the, the plan was, is I was going to go back down to Southern Oregon where my in-laws were to take a week to just kind of pray, come back and meet with them the following week. And as I was coming back that following week, um, the Lord just put on my heart to just have a time of worship and a time of prayer with these people. And when I got back for that second meeting, there was only about 10 adults there. And the other 20 or so people, the looky-loos who were, you know, just like, oh, I'll, I'll come to this meeting and hear what it's about. They weren't there. And so we had some worship and we started to pray. And as I listened to these people's praying, for their community, it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And it was like right then that God gave me a burden and it was like, you've got to come here. And um, so that was the beginning, um, the very start. And I know what you were asking about was what I write about in the first chapter. And that was, you know, I went there and I think most guys who are in church planting or, you know, go out, they, they go out with, you know, big faith. And I was expecting God to do, you know, some really, really big things. And uh, we started the church and, um, you know, we had maybe 30 people coming on Sunday and uh, Wednesday nights were uh, five or six of us, three of them in my family. And, um, and I found myself in a place where after about six months, I was really questioning, like, God, what am I doing here? You know, why, mm -hmm. why did I leave this thriving church? where I was on staff and, you know, overseeing several ministries to come to this place. And, um, and I was really wrestling with that. And I would even have guys from our church down here in California that would call me up and they would ask me, Hey, how's it going? And I would tell them, you know, well, it's going okay. But, um, and then they'd start, you know, just sharing with me everything that was happening down here and how they just, you know, went to Russia or they said Harvest Crusade. They just had this big, you know, event and mm. all these people getting saved. And, and, and I literally found myself 
you know, asking the Lord, God, what am I doing here? It's obvious it's obvious that you're in California, you know. Um, you are not here in northern Oregon. <laughs> and it was through that process, though, that God began to just really deal with my heart. And he showed me something that had happened and transpired in my heart when I was on staff at this, you know, large church here in San Diego that I didn't realize had taken place. And that was the fact that my sense of joy and satisfaction had re- began to revolve around being involved in what God was doing instead of with God himself. And God basically asked me a question one day as I was just really crying out to him in prayer. And, uh, you know, it wasn't audible, but just really his spirit speaking to my heart. He said, if I were to take all of this away, the church, the ministry, even your family, could you find your joy and satisfaction in me alone? Mm. And in that moment, I had to answer truthfully, no. Mm. And it just dawned on me that, you know, I had fallen into this trap that I think a lot of people do where, you know, our whole sense of being becomes about what we're doing in ministry instead of our identity in Christ and who we are in Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. Um, And so that was a huge pivotal turning point in my whole ministry. And, and what was awesome, Rob, is not only, you know, did you go through it, but a lot of guys hide that stuff. What yeah. I appreciated about this book is that you, you were, I remember reading it, you know, it was kind of like, I, I just remember reading going flesh and blood doesn't reveal these things. You know, it's, it's mm. not like you're writing this book out to impress, but that's what made it so good is as I'm reading it, I feel like I felt your heart for planners come through. And yeah. I felt like you were saying, Hey guys, this is what I went through. Like you talk about, um, sorry, my throat's giving me a hard time here. You talk about <clears throat> the, um, uh, spiritual warfare you went through. And I was, I was particularly impressed because like I said, people go through that. Everybody goes through yeah. the stuff that you write about, but very rarely does a leader have the guts to say, Hey guys, I'm going to, I'm going to just share this because this is normal, you know, but because we don't hear it talked about, we think it's abnormal. So when the planner goes through these weird thoughts and these, these attacks that are just, it's like mental roller coasters, he feels alone. He gets condemned. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that spiritual warfare that you went through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it, it started with, a thought that just came into my mind one day that I wasn't called to be a senior pastor. And what was interesting is at that particular time, things were probably going as well as they had been probably at that particular moment. Um, you know, things were going quite well in the church, but I, this thought came and, you know, I just started dwelling on it. And, and then the next thought, you know, a week or so later was, you know, you're not, you weren't really even called into ministry. And, and I had a pretty dramatic calling into ministry. Um, but I, I started dwelling on that thought. And then the next thought, and I should have realized that this, 
this was, you know, from the enemy was, you know, you married the wrong woman. And anybody who knows my wife, she is definitely, aside from coming to Christ, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but I started, you know, she's way out of your league, pal. Yeah, I know. I know. I did. I did. (laughs) She just turned 50 and, and she's gorgeous. Um, and she doesn't mind me saying that, so I'm not going to get in trouble. Uh, she actually posted that on Facebook that she turned 50, but she's an awesome woman, beautiful inside and out. But anyway, you know, I'm dwelling on, on this. I'm just, I'm getting really depressed. And every week for, you know, a couple months, I'm showing up to church. I'm putting on my happy face. I'm ministering to people. I'm counseling. But inside, I'm dying. And it got mm. so bad that, I literally was having thoughts when I was driving down the road of veering the car head on into a semi or veering off a cliff. I mean, that, that thought would be coming into my mind, just end it all. And, um, and it was just really intense and I was battling internally and it took a friend of mine who called me one day and just asked me how I was doing and I put on the, you know, hey, I'm doing great, doing fine. And then he was like, no, tell me how you're really doing. I, you know, I felt really impressed to call you. And and I went through and I told him, I said, this is what I've been dealing with, sensing and, you know, I'm wrestling with. And, and he just very calmly said, Rob, you know, that's the devil. And you're in a spiritual battle. And, mm. you know, you've got to recognize that. And he told me, and he was a guy who pastors a very successful large church, and he said, you know, I was dealing with those same thoughts two weeks ago, and it just floored me. But as I hung up the phone, I felt so ashamed because I was like, why did I not see this? Why, mm-hmm. why didn't I recognize that this was those fiery darts of the enemy? And, um, and I just asked the Lord to to forgive me and to really teach me and help me learn, you know, how to fight. And, um, hmm. and, you know, you're right, Peyton. I share that story a lot when I speak at, at conferences and almost every time there are guys sitting there who suddenly start to cry or their yeah. eyes well up because they know and they resonate that, you know, I, I'm going through that right now, or I've been through that. And, you know, the enemy, I think in particular, loves to discourage, you know, church planters, and yeah. he loves to discourage pastors in general. But, you know, if somebody's going into an area to start something new, um, you know, the devil gets fired up about that, because he doesn't want to see that happen. And so if he can get some guy or some, you know, a couple to quit and give up, um, you know, that's the victory he's looking for. And, um, you know, in some ways with me, I I could say it almost came close to that, you know, where I was just Mm -hmm. ready, you know, to throw in the towel. I actually had called a friend of mine and just said, uh, um, you know, Hey, you have any openings? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I was just at that point of feeling like, you know, I'm not. I'm not even called to do this. Um, what, and, what's uh, really neat is you talk in the book about you know how the the guys are. You know, you 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 give a lot of practical outward stuff that's going on. But if I were to sum up this book, I would say it was your inward spiritual journey 
And what's shocking, I think, to a lot of guys who have never been in ministry and then they go to church plant is that they're quickly juggling so many things that the inward life, the inward man is what gets neglected. And just looking at a, excuse me, just looking at a a quote here, you're talking about the tasks and you guys, you know, how, how much you're having to work, you know, at that time you're working 15 hour days, six days a week. And, uh, you say, uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, you're like, I've started this project and that I mentioned my wife was seven months pregnant. (laughs) Like during this process, I ignored a pattern that I had set for my life several years earlier. I was at a preach the word conference I had attended when I heard pastor David Jeremiah describe his view of relationships. He said, and, and, and before I say that again, this is your, your inward spiritual journey. And right. I would say that a lot of what you're talking about here are the things that it's like the things that God's trying to we're It's what he's trying to teach us. It's where he's trying to get us, but we're often trying to get somewhere else. We're trying to build the big church or we're trying to be quote unquote successful. And all the while, it's like, it can be like you're working against God because what God is saying is, Hey, I don't give a rip about that. I, I care about you. You're someone I right. bled and died for. And so you, you read, I just want to read this part. You said, Pastor David Jeremiah said, I am first of all, a person who is living in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then I am a partner in marriage with my wife, followed by the fact I am a parent to my children. And finally, and lastly, I am a pastor. When I heard those words, I was determined to set that as the model through which I would navigate my way through life and ministry. I was first and foremost a person living in a personal relationship with Jesus. My relationship with him was to be the most important and through which all other relationships were to be stimulated and inspired by. Second, I was a <clears throat> in a wonderful marriage relationship with my beautiful wife and closest confidant. After my relationship with her, I was a dad to my amazing kids uh, who were full of life and creativity. Finally, I was a pastor to a precious flock of people. In my mind, most pastors' wives and their kids sacrifice enough in just the normal day-to-day aspects of ministry. Herding sheep don't often think about the pastor's family when dealing with an issue or a crisis. They just want their pastor to help them through the problem or issue at hand. For years, I felt like I had done a good job of keeping my relationship with Jesus central and my relationship with my family before the ministry. I'd seen enough pastors put their ministries ahead of their families to the point where the wife felt like the ministry was his mistress and the kids hated the church because it had dad's attention and affection. I was determined not to go that route, but now in the midst of a building project, I had lost my way. Needless to say, the grueling schedule took a toll on my marriage and caused my family to feel neglected because I put the church ahead of them. And then what's brilliant, I'm going to stop there and let you talk about it, but I, I love how you then go, but my argument for this, what, you know, I love how you're, you're just bringing us into your life, man, into your head and this journey you made. It's powerful stuff, man. Appreciate that. And you know, what's interesting, Peyton, about that is, you know, I think of that story in Luke chapter 10 and it just has <laughs> always struck me. It's when, when Jesus is at the home of Mary and Martha and it, there's a phrase in that story that, it's so intriguing to me because it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. And 
man, the first time I read that, it just jumped off the pages at me because who was she serving? She was serving mm-hmm. Jesus, but she was distracted from something. And Jesus tells us what it is. As he, he says to her, Martha, Martha, you know, you are worried and troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen, you know, the better part. And Mary had chosen to sit at the feet, you know, of Jesus. And this is what's interesting. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part and it won't be taken away from her. And and that story is so intriguing to me because I've seen, and, and you have as well, you know, ministry can be taken away from you. But, you know, you can find yourself one day where you're not pastoring anymore. You're not leading that particular ministry or you're not doing what you once, you know, did do. Ministry can be taken away, but nothing can take away the personal intimacy that we develop in our own relationship with Christ. And that has to be central. Um, And that's the thing that for me, you know, it, it started in that very, the first day at the lake when God challenged me about where my heart was at. And, you know, for the last 20 years, I'm constantly fighting because it is a battle to keep my relationship with him being the thing that, that just moves me and motivates me. And, and it's the thing that is above all else and everything else is going to flow from my relationship um, with Christ. And when I'm doing good with him, I'm doing really good in everything else. Um, but boy, the minute that my, you know, when it becomes instead of person in relationship with Christ, partner in marriage, parent, pastor, when that gets inverted and suddenly it's pastor first, everything else can get, you know, out of whack. And even though the church might be going great and people are excited and, you know, whatnot, there's something going on in, in my heart that isn't isn't healthy and isn't right. And uh, so I'm always battling um, to keep in that place of, you know, that balance, so to speak, between the Mary and the Martha, because, you know, Martha's later commended for her service, but she needed to learn, you know, that, that intimacy that Mary developed with the Lord. That's awesome. It's a very cool. And, and one of the things that you bring up before we wrap up here is, and I was really encouraged to see this was a team teaching model that you had adopted. And again, going back to what you're saying about, you know, Hey, it's not about me. It's for Jesus. I mean, you really have to come to that point um, before you go to that, but kind of explain what brought you there and, and why that's been helpful for training church planners. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, you know, I started doing this, um, a little bit when I was in Oregon, it was harder there because, you know, I didn't have as many people around me in those first four years, um, you know, who had that gift to be able to teach. But I would give guys opportunities in smaller settings, like a men's group. And I always just, you know, feel like it's great to give guys, you know, that opportunity. But when the Lord led us to come back down to Vista and take over the role as the lead pastor at the Calvary Chapel here, um, you know, it was a bigger church and we had, you know, uh, several guys on staff and, and, um, 
you know, I started off doing everything. You know, I taught all the three Sunday morning services, taught Sunday night service, taught Wednesday night service. And oftentimes I felt like all I was doing or the majority of what I was doing during the week was preparing messages. And uh, there were actually other gifts I had that weren't being used. But I also began to see that some of the guys around me um, had something to say. And uh, maybe it was one of our youth pastors. And so we started doing on our Sunday night service where I would give, um, you know, some of these guys the opportunity to do a series. And uh, when they were doing their series, I would be preparing for the next one that I was going to do. We did a lot of series type stuff or on Sunday nights, or I would have them teach through a book. And while they were preparing, I might teach through or be preparing um, for the next book that I was going to teach. And, and then it evolved from there. And I picked up something from uh, Andy Stanley, who, who uh, laid out this idea and it's not a new idea, but he was probably the first person I have heard mention it in relation to ministry. And it was just the idea that less is more. And, you know, that sometimes um, it's better to be a sharpshooter in the way we're approaching ministry than a shotgun blast. And I had felt like for a long time I was a shotgun blast, making a lot of little tiny dents in a whole bunch of areas. And I felt like God was telling me that I needed to focus on, you know, a few things and do those few things well. And so that led me to bringing um, on staff uh, a, a guy who had been one of my youth pastors. He had went out to Texas and started a planted a church there that did quite well. And about three years ago, I asked him if he wanted to come back and um, team teach with me and sort of co-pastor the church here. Um, I gave him our Wednesday night service, and um, we were sharing after about a year the Sunday morning services. Uh, Now we've started a second campus, and we um, alternate teaching live at uh, the campuses. So one week I'll be at one campus and he'll be at the other. And then the next week we'll, you know, flip flop. But part of the reason why it, I also was led to do that was at our church, we basically had two main voices for 30 years. It was myself and our founding pastor, uh, Pastor Brian Broderson. And I just really felt like our church was at a place where they needed a diff- another voice. And um, so it was, that was part of the motivation was just a sense that, um, you know, we needed to have a younger guy in the pulpit teaching and sharing. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's a little bit difficult because you have to be willing to let go. You know, you have to be willing to, to share and let somebody else who, you know, has some great gifts shine. And, um, but uh, that's been a lot of fun and it's just been really neat to see how our, our church body has responded to it. It's awesome, man. So encouraging. Well, the book is lessons from a church planner. The things I have learned from my mistakes mm-hmm. by Rob Salvato. He's been our guest today. Rob want to thank you for coming on the show. And also, uh, I see that you can get this book uh, at calvaryvista.com. Is there anywhere else they can pick it up at? 
Yeah, probably the best place to pick it up is uh, through CreateSpace, the CreateSpace store. And they can just Google that, CreateSpace store, and they can type in the title or my name, and it'll take them to it so they can get it online. And they can also get it through Amazon uh, Books, and it's available there in a Kindle edition if uh, they want to do the electronic copy. Yeah, and the, awesome. the paperback, too, is also available there on Amazon. Yes. Lessons from a so, church planter, the things I have learned from my mistakes, just so everyone remembers the name of the book. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Rob, and thanks Pete, for coming you on. Didn't, and huh? Pete, you didn't say anything, bro. No, Peyton hardly ever lets me uh, interrupt him. Uh, he he <laughs> likes to just interview and kind of like have that to himself. But I do have one question before Peyton cuts the whole thing off. What okay. did you say to the cop who said to you, I'm not coming back to this church? You know what? I was, I just told him, um, okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked. I mean, it just took me, you know, I mean, first I was still kind of thinking about the hippie woman. Um, and cause that was very different from what I was used to here in, in uh, Southern California. Um, but I, I was, yeah, I was shocked. I was just really taken back. Like, wow, that was really, really rude. And I hope everybody here is not like this. But, I, I uh, think I would have said to him, hey, don't give it a second thought. I know I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one thing I, I will say. I'm not always the quickest thinking on my feet, Pete. So um, there's a lot of things that I thought about afterwards that I would have liked to have said to that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know what? That's yeah. a great one to tuck away, though. Yeah, just have that one <laughs> in the back, in the back pocket there. <laughs> yeah. So, well, guys, hey, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me and and give me a chance to share. And um, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Hey, hey, man, we appreciate you writing this book and just you know, not just like I said, not out to impress, but I think it it comes off at the end just being like, hey, this is a guy we need to hear from. So if you can, guys, get this book. Um, it it will it will actually trust me. Um, I I think you had some help in writing this. Um, it, I found myself wanting to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus. It brought up a lot of my own experiences, and it was it was just a soul enriching read. And you can't say that about every book. Um, this is one of those books that doesn't say, "Hey, here's the silver bullet." Here's my 10-step methodology to church planning. It's literally just, hey, this is how I found how to walk with God through this whole mess. And it was great, man. So thanks for coming on. And hey, this has been Hardcore Church Planting. And remember, guys, if God has called you to plant a church, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.